If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Standing in a tin shed, waiting for the van to come. Oh friend, have you seen where my golden tickets be? Welcome back to the Fast Forward podcast. I'm here today with an incredible woman guest. Every business starts with a problem. And my guest today saw a need for streamlining the process of getting audience questions at a conference or an event to the host or speaker. Now, as a host and an attendee at many conferences, I completely relate to this problem. Um, So out of that, Ascenti was born. Um, The Q&A live polling platform has been used by a whole range of different companies, including PwC, Business Cloud and Tech Manchester. Um, With all startup journeys, nothing is straightforward. Um, And alongside developing the platform, um, Chichi Equizore works as a contract software engineer and she joins me now to talk more about her journey so far. Welcome, Chichi. Thank you for having me. Chichi, before we get into Ascenti, I'd love to know a little bit about you and your background and how you how your your, your own career has developed over, over the course of time. Um, let's go back to Chichi in her uh, late teens, early 20s. What were you doing and how did you end up getting into tech? Very good question. Um, so... Good because it kind of captures quite a lot of the reasons why I do what I do now. So um, I went to uni in the early noughties, I'm a bit older than I look. (laughs) And um, coming up to the time I started applying, companies, little known companies like Yahoo and Google were becoming household names. So we're talking when uh, people's interactions with the internet would be via some sort of um, account with a company like Demon Internet or, you know, AOL. Mm -hmm. And the interactions with portals would be like going to Yahoo's homepage and clicking something to to visit. Google was still relatively new. um, And I would see these articles in the paper about these billionaires in Silicon Valley, um, you know, who'd created these things, these things called websites. And they were now sort of... um, Going public with them, so Pets.com was sort of raising money. They were doing that initial public offering. And they turned into millionaires overnight, and it was a thing. And I remember thinking, I want to be a musician. Um, what did you study at university? Electronic engineering. This is ah! leading up into it. I thought, <laughs> if, I, if I can get, you know, um, go, go along to uni and do one of these um, sort of tech-related degrees, mm-hmm. I could maybe follow in the path of one of these people who seem to work... F- well in tech and do quite well out of it mm-hmm. and then I don't have to be a jobbing person I could be a musician because yeah. I've made my money really naive but that was partly it I, I'm at sort of the turn of sort of um between going from 
GCSE story levels, mm-hmm. I decided I didn't want to do architecture. That um, uh, Partly because, this is ironic, um, my dear design and technology teacher um, advised myself and my dad. He was like, you know, it's, a, it's an old boys club architecture. And this is like... This is what he said, yeah. Yeah, this is like in the late 90s. He was nice. Okay. He was actually being honest. He was like, well, you might find it difficult. Yeah. You know, coming from a Newcastle comprehensive, going into that um, line of work. Yeah, he was saying it in a nice way. In a nice way. actually not great. It wasn't, yeah, it, it wasn't necessarily um, a good thing. And I, I wanted to do architecture because I liked drawing things. So it was not necessarily... <laughs> thinking back, I had probably more uh, more acumen or sort of aptitude for engineering. Um, mm-hmm. And so it would have it would have probably been a bad thing for me to have gone into architecture. I mean, it's still two the, pretty awesome... Uh, careers you know will Indeed. I be an architect or will I be an electronics engineer like, yeah, they're yeah. both awesome yeah so because because I did design and technology engineering and, and electronics I started looking at engineering courses I looked at mechanical stuff I've got an uncle that's a mechanical, mechanical engineer and I mm-hmm. thought not a civil engineer and uh, I liked the idea of mechanical engineering but it didn't do enough of the new things mm. the the courses that seemed to tick the boxes for newish were not just electrical and electronic courses, but electronic courses. So I applied to, at the time, you could apply to six universities. And the ones I preferred had electronic as a, engineering as a prominent part of the way the courses were delivered. And I ended up going to York University and doing electronic engineering. So the electrical side of things dropped. Um, my dad encouraged me because he said I, he set out to do electrical engineering when he studied, but he ended up being a, a chemist, as in... Um, he worked with the side of um, chemistry that looked into um, extracting petroleum engineering um, and petroleum from oil and sort of all the science around um, taking crude oil and creating petrol. Um, I'm from Nigeria originally, yep. so you can see the link. Pretty popular, yeah. Yep, so, um, um, so it wasn't, it was something that was encouraged at home, kind of, follow your dreams and do, do the best you can be the best that you can be so I it got sounds to, like you had some incredible role models around you yeah my parents are awesome yeah yeah so my, my dad's and your uncle and everybody else uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah this is this is true you it's easy to overlook these things but um I as far as I'm aware my dad was kind of the first in his family to go to university mm-hmm. and this is from like um Nigeria in the 60s and after it became independent from the British um, and he studied the you know the side of chemistry that was very very um, important at the time because you know oil had been discovered in Nigeria yeah. and he, he kind of helped inform the way it was extracted and you know there's lots of papers in his name uh, he's kind of well known in that industry that's amazing um, yeah, my mum's a doctor. I, it's it's great to have sort of learned parents, as it were, yeah. because they they help you um, expand your the experience of the world without just by encouraging you. You know, yeah. kind of wanting us to be. They always wanted me and my sisters to be citizens of the world, um, like from an early age, and not to be limited by where we were born or and things like that. And I'm eternally grateful for for their approach. So um, when um, Mr. Southern bless him that that was my dt teacher when he said that okay. about engineering um versus architecture my dad took it really seriously and he said you know what maybe maybe you should look into engineering and so um i did a placement year um between sixth form and a levels uh, and, and university went to york university um and i'm pleased i picked electronic engineering rather than mechanical there's no reason for me to particularly want to do the mechanical side of things but I liked the idea of kind of 
the mechatronics, being able to control things. Mm. Um, I didn't think I could do those things. I just, I was slightly, one of those slightly geeky girls that thought, oh yeah, that's I wonder cool. how does that work? How does that work? Yeah, how does, how does that, that work? work? I, I don't know how, how the electrics works. works. Only boys ever seem to play on it. It's probably difficult, but I'd like to know. Yeah. Um, so that started me on the journey into um, uh, proper learning how to, you know, how to think like an engineer, how to sort of solve problems, and how to um, logically break down um, steps into developing a solution. Um, the courses at the time, um, it had some very sort of forward-looking elements. So we did a software engineering module, even though mm-hmm. it's an electronic engineering course. Um, but it was still some, you know, it's, it probably suffered as along, alongside all the other courses in engineering. The issue with training someone to work in industry, knowing that within four years, whatever you've taught them is probably close to been out of date and say yeah yeah you need to sort of prepare them on how to think and so the rigors of like um the diligence of like planning how you approach a problem and trying to see it all the way through those are things i got from doing that course at uni but the things i i I now do i touched on within the software engineering module so i I write programs now um (laughs) probably to a slightly greater extent than you did yes to to be honest with you, um, some of the things I remember more fondly when I do work, the, the examples they gave us around mm-hmm. how you have to specify like um, the requirements before you start a, a software development project. Um, one of my lecturers gave us, he basically had his course material around a story he wrote, um, someone trying to create um, a an automated um, production line for making dog food. <laughs> And basically, he didn't specify the process, yeah. and people things kept going wrong with it. And just this story, just I'm sure I'm not the only one that remembers it. That study that yeah. I drink in general, because this guy had written out this whole thing, and and you you sit at work now and you remember, yes, this explains waterfall. This is why you need to make sure you define your processes yeah. and make sure you have some sort of way of testing that requirements um, are met before you change anything. Yeah. Because you, you you remember like sections of the book that talk about how like yeah. there was dog food just piling Pile up on up. the floor. And Piles the way, of dog food. Yes. Dog food flying everywhere. everywhere spinning off carousels. Yes. And the way he um, <laughs> ra- sort of reels you in through the yeah. journey. So, But that's yeah. the power of storytelling, isn't it? It's yes. not the, you know, nobody remembers the facts and figures, but they'll remember the stories. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, yeah, that that stuck with me. Um, I didn't quite become the famous musician I wanted to be. <laughs> what do you play, by the way? Uh, I play a few things. I play, um, at the time, I was trying to do more singer-songwriter stuff with guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, I play, uh, I started off on keyboards, on a piano. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of got into my teens and wrote and played guitar, wrote songs and performed them on my own. But at uni, at York Uni, I played drums in bands and bass in <laughs> bands. So I got, I got into a lot of music. You really need to know how everything works. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's a very nice segue into um, one of the reasons I think I was able to persevere through a lot of the stuff around creating a business was that I'd set out to make my own albums. <laughs> so I, so I, I did. I recorded a... A couple of EPs, nice. Uh, one of which I, I played everything on. It wasn't the best produced thing, but oh, when are we going to hear this at the um, next female founder event? No, we need no, the opening not, music to be. Hear it. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I'll work on that. It's on the internet. You can find it, but I don't talk a lot. I'm totally, it. totally fine. That. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, yeah. Um, at the moment, I only play bass at the church I go to. Um, 
well, I also play keyboards, but I'm scheduled to play one instrument. I'm trying to specialise a bit better these days. I suppose to, yeah, niche. Yes, Niching. I suppose to try and do everything. Yeah. Um, but the journey in um, creating music and trying to sort of create a following around it is what led me to my first business. So I'd graduated from York University. I was working in Manchester. Um, what were you doing there? Sorry? What were you doing at Manchester? Indeed. Um, I was working at a startup founded out of the University of Manchester's computer science department. Mm-hmm. And they were making software for creating a smarter way to time microprocessors. Okay. So Highly technical. Yes, I'm going to mm-hmm. try and keep it as um, light in my explanation as possible. So um, basically, uh, one of the founders of that company um, was being supervised for his PhD by a guy called Steve Ferber, who is renowned as the founder of ARM. Okay, so yeah. ARM chips are in everything. Mm-hmm. This is like early noughties. They were, they were still amazing chips, but we didn't have mobile phones as smart and as clever and as sort of powerful as they are now. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they could see that was coming. Yeah. So um, basically, uh, the guy who founded the company and his co-founder had worked out a way to make microprocessors faster by not relying on a clock, by relying on networks to communicate the timing around the the microprocessor. It was something that people like Toshiba or Xilinx would buy and they were funded by Intel Capital. Mm -hmm. And it was a big deal at the time because this is like PhD work spun out of the University of Manchester's Computer Science Department by someone who's, I think he's still like, you know, Either he's doing very well for himself. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> Steve Ferber's Fer- Fer- probably, I don't know how wealthy he is, but he's renowned for being, you know, one An of innovator. the... innovator. Yeah, one of Manchester's innovators, you know, alongside kind of the stuff with Baby Computer. He's, mm-hmm. His name will be along there because um became such a big thing. Um, but long story short, the idea was that um, they'd innovate and do this amazing technology around how microprocessors work so rather than just having intel inside it would have these networks that were designed inside didn't quite work but um whilst i was there and this had nothing to do with with me particularly but whilst i was there about 17 months into it i heard that the first company to get a video podcast out onto the itunes music store Mm -hmm. when steve jobs announced the first ipod that could play video yeah that person got a million downloads in 24 hours and at the time alongside being a software engineer and learning to use the programming I'd been taught at university, um, working with some really smart people. I was like employee eight and they were like PhDs in computer science. Yeah. Very good. Um, whilst I was doing that in the evenings, I was putting on gigs and gigging around <laughs> Manchester and <laughs> I was still aspiring. Chee chee by night. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Still aspiring to do music full time. Um, when, when, you know, at the time we still... People still watch MTV. Yeah, you know. MySpace was is MTV even is still a thing. Does it still I think exist? So. Does it? I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. VH1 was where I wanted to be, not so much MTV. Mm-hmm. But anyway, anyway. Um, long story short, I, I thought this is it. There's this thing called podcasting. Yeah. Um, I always tell people if you think back to the time when you could see those um, Apple ads that would have people with headphones silhouettes of dancing people yeah. with iPod earphones on. And yeah. 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 It was that time. Yeah. So, so phones were still very much hello moto. <laughs> I love my flip phone. Yes. <laughs> Bring back flip phones. Can somebody make a smart phone, flip phone, please? Yes, yes. 
Ericsson and Co. They were mm-hmm. still making phones. Yeah, um, lasers. Yes, yes, they were were smart looking things for their time. It was cute. Yes. Um, At the time, I thought, this is it. Why can't anybody see that this is the future? Um, People can listen to your content wherever they are. They can um, download your podcast. I know what I'll do. I will quit my job. I shall put on a series of music events, film them. We shall edit those into what I call the three-minute gig. I did all this. It's not a lie. Yeah. Um, I did it in a time frame that allowed me to say that I was creating the Europe's first live music video podcast. Mm-hmm. And it was true. Um, I put out a press release for it. And it got some news. You know, people yeah. picked it up. Um, then came the hard part because I quit my job to do this. Like I said, yeah. noth- this had nothing to do with the company I was working with. Yeah. Uh, it was just something I thought... You felt you had a burning need to do. Yes, I felt yeah. the opportunity had come for me to step out and do it. Um, and so I um, I did that. started busking um, alongside other things. Yeah, um, side hustling. Yes. Yeah. And I found out the difficulty wasn't in finding the bands. There was always lots of people that wanted to be on our podcast. And it was kind of styled a bit like a cross between Later with Jules Holland and some of those um, edgy things you used to see on MTV, bands like on tour and stuff. Yeah. So um, I'd put on music events around festivals. So once upon a time, they used to put on, um, they used to be in a festival in Manchester called In The City. That was quite a, quite an important sort of music industry festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd try and put on one of my events as part of the fringe events then and uh, flyer, create the flyers myself and go and find people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did work with a team of people who filmed the events and I paid them to do that um, and they edited them. But it was hard work. Yeah. And the problem was I got enough of these to take to events where I could sort of pitch to brands. Um, I got to speak to head of marketing at T-Mobile at the time. Uh, this is when T-Mobile was the pink brand mm-hmm. um, yeah. that we fondly remember. And they said, um, this sounds pretty cool. You've got the first live music video podcast. Okay. Well, it's social. Uh, you're putting it on MySpace. My angle then was like, we had a, mm-hmm. a channel on MySpace. Yeah. Um, and basically they were like, we like this, but we don't want, we don't know what a podcast is. Why don't oh you God. educate us? Yeah. Um, we don't know how to you know, how, how this, the monetizing of this is going to work. Yeah. Um, having said that, we have a branded page on MySpace. We spent £150,000 on it. We also sponsor this thing called Transmission on Channel 4 that is like Little with Jules Holland with a pink studio uh, with our branding. Yeah. And and we like that. We put on these music events in London that are secret gigs. We are T-Mobile. We're cool. Yeah. So we can talk with you. So we like the sound of whatever this is. We don't know what it is oh, yet, yeah, what it sounds is. cool. Yeah, we don't know how, how, how it's paid for, how yeah. it's, it's going to work. But please teach us how, how it works. Yeah. And so it turned out that I couldn't monetize the, the gigs themselves, partly because they would be seeing content that was already live and getting them to put money up front when they, when they were actually, they had enough clout. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a, a separate production company working with them for Channel 4, that they were launching artists in, in the UK. So a guy called Mika, people might remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. put on his gigs. So it's I, I couldn't find cutting-edge artists, even though I was in Manchester and it was such, you yeah. know, the city and we'd, you know, we were living through the whole times of Arctic Monkeys being big and mm-hmm. being discovered through social media. Um, they had much bigger clout than me. However... Um, what they didn't understand was the, the connection between the content and people. So they said, here are all our videos. Uh, I basically said, look, I can fit your, your content onto my channel. And um, 
I will put it onto YouTube, add onto MySpace and a bunch of places that I do have um, some reach on and let's see how we do with it. So they gave me their content and I, and I, I got to connect with YouTube when they were still being sort of um, early days into the UK. They were being sued in America. Um, it was an amazing time. The doors that opened for me were incredible at the time. I just didn't get... Um, the value that was being yeah. given to me. So YouTube uh, created a channel for, for Team and Bath content and then emailed me and said, what are your account details, please? Because YouTube was starting to monetize. It was starting yeah. to basically look for content partners in the UK. Yeah. And I was like, I can't give you my details because it doesn't belong to me. Yeah. It's Team Mobile's content. Um, so I watched that one walk away from me. Um, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I was just really green at the business side of things. Um, long story short, T-Mobile wanted um, social media workshops and that's what they paid for. So I did a bunch of those for them. And so I pivoted this TV company, this um, sort of online video production company into a social media strategy company. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to companies around, you know, this is Twitter. I put on, um, this is LinkedIn. I put on um, social media training courses in Manchester. And I, I helped set up what's called what was called uh, the social media surgery. Mm-hmm. And I connected with quite a few people in business that are kind of aware of me even now. <laughs> even and this is this is like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So um, that was my early venture into business. Yeah. But um, I did that for a while and learned quickly the. The numbers around running an, an agency, um, so the numbers for sort of how you win your pitches, mm-hmm. how you price things, how you grow a team and then um, develop them so that you're making a profit. I don't really know that. I was I was a techie who was going into marketing who could kind of talk around a sales pitch um, and could deliver on social media stuff. I, I understood about blogging and about podcasting and I could create you something that let you sort of double into all those things as a business. Yeah. Um, but uh, invoicing for them and for my time properly, I wasn't very good at. So I decided, as I did all this work around social media marketing, I got quite a good name for myself. It was uh, people sort of felt that Chi-Chi, a.k.a. Real Fresh TV, what I, I knew about social, um, very few people on, I mean, were on the same sort of wavelength. I actually went on a podcast with Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan yeah. invited me around for um, to, to talk I think it was on a podcast when you guys were still in City Tower. Okay, yeah. This is how long ago it was. Wow. Um, because they were talking about sort of new trends in marketing mm-hmm. and, um, you know, social media. And I was, yeah. my name came and up. And no doubt if podcasting was new, they'd have been messing around with it, trying to work it out themselves. Like yeah. what it's all about because they, yeah. they love all that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if it was a podcast, but it was something that we sat and talked about. It was yeah. recorded ages ago. Um, Let's see if we can find that. That'd be funny. We should totally try and find that. Yeah, I remember from from doing it. I wasn't the only one. There were a few other people there. Mm -hmm. Um, Long story short, uh, it became apparent that some of the things I was trying to help people do around marketing their businesses on social media were better run as applications and as bits of software. So I actually did a proper pivot. I started teaching myself... um, programming for the web so the stuff i did before was very low level so mm-hmm. like um thankfully now i know it was the sort of hard entry into programming yeah um but when i started to work out how i'd um help people with their databases for their blogs and things like that and how i could use a site that already had the database to support um 
tracking what I was doing for a social media campaign, I became more of a web application developer. And so as I started doing that sort of on the side, it turned into doing freelance sort of, you know, WordPress type work. And that led on to sort of contracting PHP mm-hmm. projects and uh, JavaScript projects, um, which allowed me the time to develop. So I'd work on contracts, but I'd also be working on improving my skills um, and reading around uh, potential solutions to some of the things I had heard people talk about. So when I did training courses. So this drives me right up to when I I came up with Asante. So um, I was at an event at the church I go to. They were asking people, text your question to someone who will type it up at at the end of the conference and and we'll have a three three-hour Q&A session at the end of the conference, something like that, yeah. um, with all your questions, but please text it to this number. And the session came up, people's questions came up on the screen, there was no context, yeah. you know, there was no way of deciding, like, we prioritised this one over that one, it was just the question was up there because she typed yeah. it. And I'm thinking there is probably some tech that can do this. Um, and if I have some downtime, why don't I look into it? So in between contracts, I started work, working on this thing that would let anyone type in some questions at a question board for a future conference so the idea was couldn't have done it for the for june 2015 let's do it for june 2016 so Mm -hmm. i spent a lot of that year trying to create this thing that i would launch at business rocks if you remember that. oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that was here was it the one the that was first here? One. Yeah. The first so one. The one that was here? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The UK so passed, yeah. I ended up, I, I paid to go. I paid like the early rate. So it was like a couple of hundred pounds. What? I ended up, I was like, I wanted to launch at that event. Yeah. Um, But it didn't happen. I, I didn't have enough time and I realized yeah. this isn't going to happen. The best use of my time actually is finishing this thing. So long story short, that year, Senti launched and I sent an email to three people that I knew from back in the day. One was Martin Barrett. Yeah. You might know. Who, yeah. Who knows? He's he's the connection to my social media days. Not many okay. people know that. Oh, really? Tell us why. So 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 he knows me from when I used to do Real Fresh TV and I used to film bands because I filmed him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the SFP in his name um, yeah. is because he used to be the Starfighter pilot. Oh yes, that is his other name. Isn't yes, it? so yes. I've, got, I've got videos. I found I found some stuff. Somewhere oh, I think I think this Martin. is. I feel like this is going to be some kind of like <laughs> some kind of flashback kind of episode. We're going to bring out all this old content yes. and do some reminiscing and yes. all that kind of jazz. Yeah, he kind of did electronic music and like yeah. presented and sang. He, he was all right. He was yeah. all right. And then he got into pod, into blogging and became the sort of social media influencer yeah. that he is now. But um, yeah. yeah, so basically. Um, I, I I sent him a link to Asante and uh, two other people. Um, one person who works in events, um, and people replied. Um, and Martin's reply was excellent. He said, "Have you looked at this on a mobile?" <laughs> Which is fantastic because yeah. I fixed the way it worked on mobile because it was messy. Yeah. Um, and the other person said to me, "This is a good idea." I, I'd I'd let me rewind a little bit. I decided that um, to meet this deadline because I'd I'd basically drawn the line at going to business trucks because I wasn't ready and was, yeah. you know, nothing was ready. And I decided to launch in August. And I, I was like, I, I have to be able to justify why I'm not taking our contracts. So people are going, what are you doing? And yes. this secret thing I'm writing, I can't tell you. Yes. So I basically had to take out all the functionality that let people answer questions because it wasn't ready yet. And so when it launched, all you could do was post a question and 
someone else could vote for it. Yeah. Very, very simple. Um, and so the people I sent it to gave me feedback on that. And one of them said, I see this is a good idea. I go to conferences. I would quite like to be able to add in any questions. I live blog conferences. So if I could add in some answers to your question, to the questions that are on my question board, because I've been writing notes, that would be fab. Also, if I could embed some of the questions onto my blog, that would be great. So that gave me work to do. Um, so I went off, did, that, did all that. Long story short, it got to where I was meeting a need that people identified within conferences. But the business side of it, I was still very weak at. And yeah. this this brings me really neatly to the, the issue of funding. So I was bootstrapping it. I still am. I'd work on contracting projects and um, work on a senti and then work on contract projects, work on a senti. Yeah. And it's been really hard. But by following like... Um, methodologies that let me learn about um, user journeys and uh, customer interviews early on. I've created something that I know is a product that people would would pay for. Yeah. Um, the tricky thing, though, is you still need a process to take it to market. Yeah. Um, you can't do all of it on your own. So I'm engaging with a marketing consultant and we're moving away from it being me doing every single thing yeah. um, to kind of building a team around it. And then having conversations around um, what are the issues people face when they've got a great idea and they've created a product and they want to actually connect with customers. How do you bridge that gap? Um, yeah, it's a great if you build it. It's not that build it and they will come. No, you have no, to get it out there. You yeah, do. absolutely. You do. And one of the one of the things that the journey of sort of creating the, the product, talking to people, going to other events, because I spent quite a while not going to events, um, and... I started going to events in in the city in 2017 and I met people at ThoughtWorks um, because they put on an event. I went to one of the events and they they kind of expressed an interest in hearing me talk again. So I talked about what I was doing with the Senti, showed them the platform and they said, this is interesting. Um, we might look into it in future, but, mm -hmm. you know, keep us posted as it were. And in between the conversations with them and Business Cloud and PwC, I got to present Ascenti, an improved version of Ascenti at um, the Northern Stars Tech Competition. Yes, I um, saw you. Yes, I was there. Indeed, it was it was exciting because apparently a couple of hundred people had applied um, to be part of the shortlist of top tech companies in the Northwest. In the north, in this the north, is when yeah. this is when it was purely a regional event, and I got to be part of the finalists, and I got to present on the day. I got some pitch training. I didn't get through. I was the only woman that presented on the day, um, and uh, it was one of those things. I thought I felt fa fairly comfortable actually because I've, as you know now, I've, I've studied it, electronic engineering. I worked in uh, in tech as mm -hmm. a woman, and very often one of the few women anywhere. Yeah. So I didn't feel uncomfortable being the only woman pitching that day. Um, but with hindsight, um, the process of getting that far had actually created enough momentum in what I delivered that I, I could have possibly, I could have started looking beyond what it got me. Yeah. Um, and please, I didn't win. Please, I didn't get through. Uh, when I got beyond that and into improving the platform, I met ThoughtWorks and they gave me an opportunity to launch again. Mm -hmm. So, And this is where Ascenti became a product that had improved such that PwC were using it. Um, um, Business Cloud had used it for a bunch of their events, a bunch of other companies. And I got to um, 
put on an evening for people to just come in and chat and learn about it. I'd, I'd been inspired by, by what ThoughtWorks did for an International Women's Day event the year before, um, where it was lightning talks by six women. So I thought, why don't I have something similar? Yeah. Um, as I talked to Elliot ThoughtWorks around this event, that would be a launch for Ascenti, um, it transpired that it could be a thing. You know, we could have four or five women talk about their businesses, share their journey so far into tech, um, do a show and tell if they wanted. And she was like, this is clearly not going to be something we do as an intenti launch every month. We have to have a yeah. name for it. <laughs> and so late on a Friday, we had to have a name for this thing. I thought, why don't we call it Female Tech Founder? Hashtag yeah. Female Tech Founder. That's how that particular thing was born. So I put And I think th- I was there. Was I there at the first one? You weren't because you were supposed to co-host and you were busy. Oh, no, I was, I was you, away. You found us, yeah, you were away. Was I but, not in China? You, I think you were away, but you, you introduced us in... You introduced Nicola me to went. Claire. Nicola was there. She, yes. Nicola's been there, a, a lot of them. Yes. And you introduced me to Claire Marie, who's yes. been like our amazing Q&A host yes. at the event. Uh, she hosts the whole thing. Um, but that's turned into like an amazing community, as you know, mm-hmm. um, because the premise of Female Tech Foundry is that you come along, you've got 15 minutes to talk about your journey as a woman in tech. Um, we ran out of pure female developer. Uh, solo tech founders mm-hmm. and we, we found that it was probably wiser to widen the, the remit to people who were working in tech founding companies mm-hmm. that had an element of teching it so we had people that make um lip balms and things like that yeah. um and they happen to have traveled all the way from burnley um they have an online element to the, to the way they manage their sales but they're not they don't run a company that's been developed you know, yeah, yeah, purely it's not around a tech product. It's not a tech product. Yeah. yeah, but they use tech to enable their business. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. You've got the ladies from Karoo who are yeah, making exactly amazing yeah. dresses, yeah. Um, but using tech to, get, yeah, to do that. Kickstarter. So. They're yeah. using Kickstarter to raise funding. So, um, creating an environment where people can just share their stories and feel comfortable asking around, asking all the difficult questions around pitching, around raising mm-hmm. investment, um, around um, preparing for critical things in the journey. So um, how you skill a company, how you start to look at uh, developing, de- developing an MVP, how you interact with early customers. So um, over the last year, we've touched on all those types of topics. And yeah. in, in in the coming year, we'll do more of those. It's been a little bit quiet because I've been contracting, um, but I'm preparing, we're preparing quite a few things for the next year. And I'm not the only one that does it. We've got co-host, um, I've got... Um, a host and somebody else who's who actually came along from Tech Manchester Who's and that? Uh, Tanya. Oh yes, Tanya has yes. just set up her own sort of um, travel planning business. She has, yeah, and she's grown a lot from all the mentoring she's got at Tech Manchester. Yeah, and she came and sort of learned to present and do a lightning talk. She did. I was and there for that. Yeah, so she's, proud of her. She's done really well, and yeah. she's she's. Still, she's still working out, you know, everyone's gone through the journey of having an idea, creating it, yeah. in, you know, a slide deck, learning how to pitch it to people, learning how to sort of find developers. And she's on that journey as much as I am. Um, but she's kind of involved in helping run um, female tech founder events as well. So Amazing. Um, I'm not just doing all of it myself anymore. So. I think that's important that there's other people to help share the load. And yes. it's passionate people too. I've not let you get a word in edge at <laughs> I, all. This is the perfect. This is the perfect podcast. I don't. Even, I haven't even had to ask, ask any questions. Okay. Um, what has been? I guess funding probably has that been the biggest challenge. Yeah, I think for you. 
Yeah, I think that's the reality, really. And um, where is the Santi at now? Now, and where yeah. do you need to? Um, yeah, good question. What's the next stage? What do you need to do to get to the next level? Yes. So I'll, ask, I'll answer them in that order. So um, yes, I can. I'm a developer, and I can do. I'm a full stack developer of software engineer. I can do the front end for site and the back end as well. I've written a platform in a programming language called Elixir so that it takes advantage of certain um, paradigms around um, concurrency and distributed programming. I'm not going to get too techy. All I will say is that under the hood... You're already too techy. I'm already too techy. <laughs> uh, under the hood is the same okay. virtual machine as you have on WhatsApp. So okay. you can have as many people on, on a question board as they wish and the server wouldn't fall over. Okay, It was... One of the reasons why I picked that language and why mm-hmm. it was worth me spending those six months learning writing it, it yes, yeah. and learning it. Um, I said all that to say this: having got all those skills and learned how to do it, and learned from my experiences, you know, talking to T-Mobile and and pitching for business for a, a podcast, a, mm-hmm. a live music video podcast. I've got some of of the business development experience, got some of the marketing experience. I can write a bit of copy on a website. Um, but even though I can pay for my time, as it were, as a developer, there's still a gap mm-hmm. that has funding has to cover. And it yeah. took me a while to sort of come to that realization. Most people will be like, yep, I can see that you're giving away these freebies at an event and you're a tech company, you mm-hmm. probably have funding. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you write the software and you can keep your costs low, you can do yeah. this all yourself. Yeah. Um, not quite that. Not quite the way it works. Yeah. What I've discovered, though, is... If you can minimize the cost for creating the tech product um, and keep those costs low, yeah. you can add a lot of value very quickly. Um, so so I guess where everyone is, if that's a level playing field, the difficulty is in engaging your early customers and doing it in a way that you can manage as you grow. Yeah. So that's pretty much where Ascenti is. So I'm kind of having to learn how to engage with a, a group of people so that we can target prospects and walk them through a journey to becoming clients yeah and so so creating your sales funnel exactly in a nutshell in a nutshell i'm not doing it all myself because i'm still contracting so is that what you would be seeking are you seeking funding and if you were seeking funding is that what you would be looking to do is to invest into the sales and marketing side of the business yes yes so i'm not i'm not set out whether it's because i i've still got that whole i can DIY this, yeah. like a punk record. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's that, uh, but I've never set out to do the pitching to investors because I've always felt it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. and I would rather talk to people who might use the product. Um, so pitch to customers. Sorry? Pitch to customers. Indeed, indeed. And and it's helped a great deal because I didn't mention when I start, started out launching Ascenti, uh, the first time man, before I actually pitched at Business Cloud, sorry, at um, Northern Stars, the business model was a pound a question board. And everyone looks at me and smiles or giggles and goes, <laughs> what do you mean? But What's that's genuinely even? what yeah. I thought. And you could see the um, indie musician. <laughs> going, what? what? Yeah. I was like, you could see the, you could see the musician's um, sort of financial acumen shining yeah. through in there. Because I thought, well... <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yes, no, that's I, not going to work. That's not going to work. I, I want people to be able to use this, even if they put on sort of um, JavaScript-type meetup events in Manchester. I don't, yeah. You don't need to have, you know, 500 people turning up at your conference to You could have the Senti Foundation for that. 
Sorry? The Senti Foundation for that. Yes, indeed, indeed. And then but, yeah, the big yeah. bucks to the big boys who can afford it. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. But some of those things, learning in the pricing, learning in the market, um, I just didn't have enough um, understanding of. And it was a gap I had to experience first before I started off um, looking into funding. So to answer your question around funding, I, I'm a little bit reticent because I know that you need to have quite a lot of ducks in order to be able to even start pitching for funding. There's certain things you need to know, like you know, annual re- monthly recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of stats yep. you need to have. MMR, what your MMR, yeah. There's a bunch of things you need to do. Market that. opportunity, yeah. Indeed. Um, yep. Some of them I know. Some of them, I think, in real, you know, realistically speaking, either I take the time out to like try and find angel investors. Um, or I, and then start doing that, or I try and do that kind of in a bootstrapping fashion, mm-hmm. and then move on to to raising funding. It's always been that juggle. Um, yeah. Do I stop what I'm doing? The products becoming fairly mature, but the things I'd, I'm not particularly proud of. Um, do I just finish them, talk to the existing customers I am working with, and start to move them along a sales funnel? Yeah. Or do I stop and then give you know six, twelve months to always to start the process of always be raising as a solo founder. Yeah. That's a difficult thing for me. Yeah. It's time consuming and it takes at least a year and longer as a yeah. woman. Yeah. So um, what is your vision of success for Asante? What does uh, success look like for you? Good questions and things I have to think with a lot of soul searching at the moment. I do think, um, so my I really would hope it has enough value to become a household name. And people that use it, you know, it it works. So it it provides live polling and um, question board support for events that you can't at the moment get without getting um, without using a, a dedicated event app. Mm-hmm. And the USP is that it makes it easy for event organizers to engage with potential attendees. And people at an event before, during, and after an event because you're you're using a URL to an input field on on a website somewhere mm-hmm. to interact around your event. So people can send you questions, you can respond to them. Yeah. Each thing that's posted at that input field at, that on on that web URL has a life of its own on social media, so they can be shared on Facebook, yeah. wherever, and they also live on places like whatsapp so you can have these polls that run not just on twitter but on facebook linkedin whatsapp and all the yeah, results so are, api integrates with other with other platforms um even more even more simple simple than that so uh, people are familiar with twitter polls mm-hmm. and they're fairly easy to, to, to work with uh, asante has a polling feature that customers actually users actually asked for that goes a step beyond uh, twitter polls because they're multi-platform they can you can use them in whatsapp yeah. Um, you can see the results instantly and, and mm-hmm. you can use that to get the temperature of a room well before the event and you could use it after the event. So there's features around the way it helps um, gather insights around a topic yeah. that um, are, are difficult to replicate, I'd like to think. <laughs> um, so it, it has a, it's a thing in its own right. A question yeah. board is a thing. I'd like to uh, persist on the journey to actually making it better known than it is yeah at the moment yeah and uh, i've no doubt that it will and we always like to wrap up with um some advice um for fellow entrepreneurs 
Um, so what would be your um, advice to entrepreneurs who are on the similar kind of pathway for you, particularly the technical founders who maybe have the same challenges that you have? Because it's not often that we that we get a technical founder and a uh, technical solo founder. So what would be your advice? Yeah, good question. And what do you think, someone, what do you wish someone had have told you way back at the start? Good questions, yeah. So I'd start with the um, advice for a technical founder standing, starting out. There is a lot of suggestions around finding a co-founder being like very important and mm. I can see why that's the case. Um, but if it's going to cost you your idea sort of coming alive in some format, then do as much as you can on your own. A co-founder will help you um, if they have skills that you don't have, like marketing yeah. skills or you know other business skills that you might need. Yeah. But I would say if you have an idea make a very, very minimal MVP version of it. You know, something that lets someone play with it. Yeah. And talk to people that could use it ASAP and, and let it start to, to, you know, find a life of its own. I would say um, your other question was around um, what I wish someone told me. Yes. At the beginning. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I had to reflect on this. I, I think a big thing with running your own business is that you forget how far you've come um, especially if you're bootstrapping something, you forget um, what achievements you've uh, yeah. you've done because you're just constantly hustling. Indeed, and and the thing is, you're constantly going against all the uh, tech industry or tech community news about people who've raised this or people who have won this award, and it can feel really lonely and feel like you're fighting every fire, and and, and someone's turned up and got a headline around a quarter of a million raise yeah. or a couple of million, and they now have a resource you don't have. Um, you forget, you know, I remember when I was really, really keen just to have Business Cloud use one of their question boards at one of their events. And they yeah. did, They used the question boards and actually embedded questions onto their blogs that I still use to this day. I still show people um, posts on businesscloud.co.uk yeah. um, that have questions embedded in them oh. on Ascenti. And yeah. it's really exciting. But And they have some more events coming up, so you should come Ooh. and talk to us again. Indeed, I will. I will. Yeah. I, like, I like what you did there. <laughs> uh, but small things like that, um, they're such big wins when mm -hmm. you're running things by yourself. So... Um, take it's really hard but take the time out just to reflect and recognize that you're in this for like quite a while mm -hmm. so don't set any artificial timelines that was one of my that that probably was something that um ended up being a good point but initially i thought i'd launch a senti at uh, business rocks 2016 sure. um within four months and if i'd decided that was it and that i'd quit I'd have missed out on being on Northern Stars and talking to you, to you today mm -hmm. on female tech founders actually being a thing. So, so like step away from sort of your ideas around how long something will take and recognize this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. And I'm going to try and work out how to do life with it. Yeah. Um, once you understand that for you, um, you, you, you get to some peace about it. It doesn't become this thing that you're going to give up in three months or in six months. Yeah. And I, I'm afraid I think a lot of people in the UK, because of the pressures of living, yeah. have to do that with their dreams. Yeah. So yeah. be open-minded to change. Yes. I like it. Nice. Indeed. Um, I have really enjoyed listening to your story this afternoon, Chi Chi. And, thank you. Um, I, you know, you're just incredible. So oh, thank yes. you very much for sharing your story with us today. 
Um, we hope that's answered uh, some of your questions and concerns that might be keeping you awake at night if you're a technical co-founder or founder, solo founder. And we hope that will give you a better night's sleep. Thank you. Thank you so much.